My name is Sean Epkin, lead pastor here. We're glad you're here today. Uh, we're starting a new series today, so you can go ahead and turn to 1 John chapter 1. Um, we're going to go through the book of John uh, for the next five weeks, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So let's go ahead and turn there, John chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, before we do that, next week, guys, I just want to remind you, it's Valentine's Day, okay? And so uh, get prepared, do what you need to do to bless your wife, amen? All the guys say amen. amen. Let me tell you, I got a joke for you. This is something that you should not do, okay? So let me just say this joke. Um, there was this guy named Tim, and uh, he um, has a friend named Frank. And Frank asked Tim, Tim, have you gotten anything for your wife for Valentine's Day? Just trying to be a good friend because he knows Tim forgets and doesn't get anything for his wife usually for Valentine's Day. So Frank asked him, hey, Tim, did you get something for your wife for Valentine's Day? And he said, yeah, I, I did. I, and he said, really? You got her something for Valentine's Day? And he said, yeah, I got her a belt and a bag. And he says, really? That's so thoughtful of you. He was, his friend, Frank, was very surprised that he did this. He said, he says, man, I'm so proud of you that you did that. And, and, and Tim says, yeah, man, I'm just hoping that she gets that vacuum cleaner fixed too with it. So... <laughs> A belt and a bag. Yeah, okay. Anyway, um, next week is Valentine's Day. Um, we are going to be going through John chapter 2. So if I, don't, if I forget to tell you, read John chapter 2 this week. My wife is going to be joining me next week. And uh, she's going to be ministering with me. So you never know what's going to come out. Um, and whatever she says about me is not always true. I just want to let you know that beforehand. So anyway, but we're in the book of John, and uh, I'm excited about this book. I love the book of John. It actually is leading us up to Revelations. By the way, we'll finish John 2 and John 3, the book John, Second John and Third John, uh, in the summertime, so I just will let you know that. But First John really leads us up um, to Easter, which is in the March, and uh, we're only going to do this for five weeks, and we have a couple things, other things we're going to be doing, but but such a, an amazing book. John wrote this book um, to uh, really just to confront some false teaching. There was a group called the Gnostics that were, um, had this view about um, some things. They had the view that, that only the spirit mattered. Your flesh didn't matter at all. So basically, you could sin. You could do whatever you want, and it wouldn't hurt your spirit. Um, that was one um, false thing that, that they believed. But they also believed, because of that, that Jesus didn't really raise, was raised from the dead. That it was only his spirit that did that. And, of course, Scripture, as we'll find out here in a moment, uh, tells us differently. And so uh, they did that. And then, plus, they talked a lot about love, which we'll talk about next week. Uh, the, the lack of love that John was seeing in the believers. Amen? And so uh, let's go ahead and read John chapter 1. We're going to read the whole chapter, verses 1 through 10. Let's start. It says, That which was from the beginning, this is John talking, which we had heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Now he's talking about Jesus there. The life was manifested, and we seen and bear witness and declare to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship was with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. And this is the message which we have heard from Him and declared to you. 
that God is light, and in Him no darkness at all. And if we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in light as He is in light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and the word, His word is not in us. You know, um, this is something that's very powerful, what John's beginning to talk about. In fact, a lot of times when you see a letter wrote, written in the Bible, one of the books of the Bible, uh, the first chapter is very critical, and it kind of sets the tone of the whole book and where he is going. And so I want to show you some of the things here, because in verse 1, John deals with him being an eyewitness of the resurrection of the resurrection of Christ. And he's, he wants to establish something here. And this is so important that he wants to establish that, listen, I saw that. I was there. Now, when John wrote this, this book, he's, he's very old. In fact, he's one of the last remaining apostles that's there. And he's still very much involved in the churches, especially the churches of Ephesus. And he's writing to them, and he's letting them know some things. He's going to bring some correction because of that Gnostic gospel, that Gnostic thinking that's out there about Jesus really not being raised from the dead. So this is his first thing. And this is a real important reason why he's doing this. Because you think about the resurrection, Jesus coming back to life. I mean, who cares? I mean, what, what does that really, does that really make a difference in my life? And you may be sitting there and he says, well, does it really matter? Do you really understand why Jesus having to come back from the dead really matters? Does it really affect the way I live my life today? And some of you may be thinking, maybe it does, but I don't exactly know why it matters. And this is why the resurrection of Christ matters desperately to, to believers. It's, it's because we believe, Christians believe, that the literal, uh, fleshly, resurrected body of Jesus Christ is the central key component to the gospel of Christ. In fact, let me put it this way. You cannot separate the body of Christ away from the body of the message of Christ. You can't say that, well, I don't believe in Jesus' resurrection, but I believe in what he said. You can't do that. You, they go together. They're hand in hand. And, uh, and let me explain this. Look at verse, uh, verse 1 of John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1. It says, John says, that which was from the beginning. He's talking about Jesus here. And he's talking about that which from the beginning, Jesus who is eternal. We have heard him. So he's saying, I've heard him. We've seen him with our own eyes. We've looked upon him, the things that he did. We touched him with our own hands. John says there's a really very a tactical relationship to the fact that Jesus was not only crucified, but I saw him when he was resurrected. I heard him when he was resurrected. I touched him when, I, when he was resurrected. I felt him. Now, John is not the only one who feels this way. We go back through all the New Testament. A lot of other people saw the same thing. For example, uh, Matthew says in Matthew 28, 9, that the women who came across Jesus, they came up and took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. They literally grabbed his fleshly body. Luke, who was a physician in Luke 24, 30, says he took the bread and he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them and their eyes were opened. Luke says that there was a meal that the Lord participated in and ate. And Luke 24, 39, he says, Jesus says, see my hands, see my feet. That is, 
I myself, touch me and see. So Jesus invites them, listen, if you don't believe, come up and touch me. Look at me, touch me, and and look at it. It is truly me. In John chapter 20, we see the episode between Thomas where he says, Thomas, if you don't believe, put your finger into my my sides and my hand. And that's when Thomas did that. In John 21, it says the disciples were out fishing one day. And they they came back to the shore and they saw Jesus. And he was cooking a meal for them, a a breakfast meal. And he handed them fish and bread for breakfast. You know, how many guys ever heard that uh, the saying, dead men tell no tales? Well, let me tell you something. Dead men don't cook breakfast for their friends either. (laughs) This man was alive. He was resurrected. And why is John, at the beginning of this book, so insistent of telling everybody that he is alive? And, and because he wanted them to know that without him being resurrected, there is no gospel. If he wasn't resurrected, there's no gospel. Why didn't the disciples just say, hey, it was a ghost you know, it was a hallucination. I mean, a lot of people probably would have believed that more than him being raised from the dead. But that's not what they said. They declared, the whole New Testament declares that Jesus' actual physical, living, fleshly, blood body rose again. He rose again. And this is why. Because if we didn't have those eyewitness accounts that Jesus' physical body came to life because he was raised from the dead, then the whole New Testament would have been a sham. Because Jesus said he was going to do that. And he also said that he was going to come back one day. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, it gives us two thoughts, two really main truths that we see here. The first truth is that his message is validated. 1 Corinthians fifteen fourteen says this, And if Christ had not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is is in vain. So if it wasn't for the resurrected body of Christ, then there's, we shouldn't be doing what we, we're doing right now. Right now, we would be wasting our time. There's no reason to raise your hand because God is not real if he wasn't raised, raised from the dead. But he was. And so we have a lot riding on the resurrected body. And Paul puts it very plainly. He says, Christ didn't come back from the dead, and everything written in the New Testament is wrong, and we might as well move on. But he did come back from the dead, and that is God's stamp of approval on what he spoke about. His message is validated. So indeed, it is truthful, and his message is validated. The second thing is, is that his message is ultimate. And what I mean by that is that that is the most important thing. What Jesus preached, because he rose again, Because he did that, because God put a stamp of approval that what he said is the most important thing we could ever know. In fact, you won't do anything in this hour, in the next day, in the next week, in your whole lifetime more important than you knowing what he said, living in what he said, and proclaiming what he said. That is the most important thing for us as believers to do, is to live in it, to do it, to act upon it, to put it apart in our life, and to proclaim it. And the reason we should make it the most important thing is because he rose again. Because God is real and he did it and he did it in his power. And what he said is true. And God's stamp of approval is on it. He raised him from the dead and we should proclaim it, live in it, and do it. Because John says, I touched Jesus. I heard Jesus. I saw him. I looked upon the things that he did after he was resurrected. So this message is validated. It is ultimate. And here John, from the rest of, of 1 John, he speaks 
about the message of Jesus. But he wanted them to know that this is one of the most important things, the resurrected Christ. And so we're going into this Easter season. Lent is happening. We're going in, and at the end of March is Easter. In fact, one of the most important things that we can do as a church is realize what is his message, and how can I walk in it? How can I live it, and how can I proclaim it to others? That should be one of the most important things that's going on in our life right now, is to be thinking about that. And that's why John did this. And so he starts to go into the message. So I'm not going to have time to get, go through all of my notes, but here are three things that he, he talks about the message of Jesus and he will expound more on in the coming chapters. Number one is God is light. This is his message. So he says this in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. So he just talked about, listen, he's resurrected. I'm an eyewitness, and this is his message. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. And he goes on and he tells us that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So John openly declares very much, he starts out, this is God's nature. This is who he is. This is, he is light. Now, he doesn't mean he's a literal, that light all the time, even though that we see incidents of that God, when God is shown, he's very bright. But what it means is that God is pure, God is holy, God is righteous, and he's true. He's without blemish. He is perfect. He's the most loving, the most holy being that ever has been or ever will exist. He is the ultimate light. And John isn't, isn't just the only author that ever described light. We see in the, uh, the book of Exodus, we see in Exodus chapter 13, whenever the Israelites were coming out of Egypt, that he, they were led by a fire by night. And that it said that it lighted their way. The Lord was lighting their way. We see when Moses in the book of Exodus, Exodus went on the Mount Sinai, he came down out of the presence of God and his face shone with the presence of God. It was light. It was bright. The thing about the light, it, it brightened, brightened him up. And in Matthew, um, we see that, um, Moses, uh, that, that, that Jesus in front of his disciples was transfigured. And it says there in, in Matthew that his face shone like the sun. In Psalms 36, 9, the psalmist says, For you, with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. In other words, we're able to see the good things in this world because of the light that God gives us. So in John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1, we see him telling us about this light and how light is essential. He says, God is light and in him there is no darkness. And this is what that means. That God is the standard by which we know truth. That he's the standard by which we know love. He's the standard by how we know what is pure. And there is nothing as holy as loving as God. So why does this matter to you and I? Why does this doctrine, he's, he's starting out here in 1 John, that God is, Jesus was resurrected, and this is his message, that he is light. Why does that matter to you and I? How many guys in your bathroom, in my bathroom, is the brightest lights in my whole house? I mean, you wake up, and you're in the morning, and you're groggy-eyed, and you flip on the switch, and there's, it's not on a dimmer. It should be on a time dimmer, but it goes on automatically, and, you're, and you're, you're blinded by the light. I don't know who made my bathroom, but there's like 20 lights in my bathroom. And the other thing is that, that light does is when you get to the mirror, it shows all the flaws in, in your body, right? You look at, at it, your hair's all a mess, and uh, those who, of us who have hair, and... Um, 
And, the, and then it shows you all the spots that you have on your face. It shows the wrinkles that you have on your face, the hair that's growing at places that it shouldn't grow at. And so here you are, and you think we would be smarter enough not to have that. But this is the thing about light. Light illuminates. Light brings illumination to that which it shines upon. So if the nature of God is light, if that's his nature, if that's who he is, God is light and there's no darkness in him. Light illuminates. The light of God illuminates us to see where we are and where he is and how to get to him. It shows us sometimes the need for change. It shows us the truth about a situation. And so it illuminates and brings understanding. In fact, Psalms 18.28 says, For you will light my lamp, the Lord will enlighten my darkness. I love that. You may be going through some hard issues right now. And see, the closer you get to the Lord, the closer you are to Him who is light, He can enlighten what seems so dark around you. He can lighten when you're in those problems and those issues and and you don't see a way out or you don't see what's going on. He gives you enlightenment. He shows you what's happening. His light illuminates. And and His light does it. He doesn't illuminate to condemn. God's light is not the purpose to condemn. You know what we try to do? When we want to bring light to somebody, it's almost in a condemning mode. How many's ever had that happen to you? Someone wants to tell you how you wrong you are, but they do it in a condemning way. That's not the light of God. The light of God does not do that. The light of God does not show you to condemn you. It shows us the path to life. It shows us a way to get to be like Him. So if the Lord, if you're looking in the mirror and the light of the Lord is shining on you and it shows you those issues that you're wrong in your life, and how many have issues that are wrong in your life? Just raise your hand, everyone in here. And if your neighbor's not raising your hand, you just raise their hand for them. Um, It's there to show us the way out of those things, not to condemn us, not to put shame on us, not to say, hey, I'm bigger than you, I'm better than you. It's to show us how to get to Him and how to be like them, how to be like God. Illumination will happen so that the enemy doesn't come in to steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible says in Psalm 16, 11 says, You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hands are pleasures forevermore. Light illuminates, and that's such an important thing. And that's why getting and being in your, in your quiet time and having fellowship with the Lord is so important. So as you grow closer to Him, it illuminates things that may need to change or illuminates direction changes. It illuminates who you are and how you can get to Him. It's so important. And so what John is dealing with here is people aren't getting closer to Him. And they're not allowing the light of God to illuminate. Well, maybe I'm screwed up a little bit and I need help. And I'm going to be honest with you. Every one of us in here today are screwed up a little bit, and we need a little help. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. (laughs) Turn to your other neighbor and say, that's really you, you know. (laughs) You know, you guys really like pointing out that thing to other people. Come on. I'm about ready to bring you freedom. That's you. 
So God's light illuminates. So John's talking that because this is what he's talking about next. This is something that we, none of us like. The second thing he points out about the messengers of Christ. But if you get this right, you'll be set free. He illuminates God is light. But he also tells us that we are sinners. And here's the thing. And we need to understand this because we don't like to be told when we're wrong. And I know about the grace of God and I know where we're going with this. So I know all about that. But you have to understand where you are and where he is in order to get up there. You've got to understand that we all start at the same playing field. We are all screwed up. We're messed up. We're sinners. And we can't change it without him. And so here's the thing. First John chapter 1. We read that God is not in the light, but we read that people who are not in the light are left to their own devices. And we discover that, unfortunately, they are in the dark. And that we are sinful and we are broken. There's three verses he talks about here. Verse 6, verse 8, and verse 10. And John says in verse 6, he says this, and he's pointing out three different groups of people. There, there may be more, but he only points out three different groups of people here. In verse 6, he says, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So John is looking at three groups of people, and the group he's saying here, he's saying basically these are people who say they have fellowship with God, but they don't. They're no different from anybody else. They're no different from the people around them, the people in the world. They say they walk with God, but there's no change. And that's what he's saying. And we use a word, and the word for this, as we've used for over 2,000 years, is called hypocrite. So he's pointing out hypocrites here. He's pointing out people who say, yeah, I'm a lover of God, but there's no fruit in it. There's no change in their life. They're living like anybody else. You walk through a mall you're no different than anybody else. And so, you know, as a believer, there should be starting to be change in your life. And so he's saying, I'm talking to these people. These are people who say they got it all figured out, but really, if you watch them, they don't look different than anybody else. They say they're walking in the light of God. Listen, if you and I are walking in the light of God, we're going to be changed. That doesn't mean we're going to be completely perfect. You understand? We're going to be screwed up still in some way. But we're moving forward amen and so he's talking to these people these are hypocrites and then in verse 8 he says if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us so john says look there's not just hypocrites out there but there's also the second group of people and they're self-deceptive they're self-deceivers they're deceiving themselves and they say i've got it all all together i'm okay um i'm okay and they'll, and they'll look at other people and this is what they do they look at this guy over here and or this guy over here and say they're jacked up or they look at this lady over here and man she's a piece of work you know and and uh, and they and they they compare themselves and to those people they think well i'm doing okay well, you know what? That's wrong. Your only comparison should be to Jesus, not anybody else. Your comparison is not anyone else in the Bible but Jesus. Some people say, well, David did all this and this. Yeah, he wasn't Jesus. Our comparison is only to him. He is the only one that we model after and because he's the only one that has the power to help us be like him. You, you compare yourself to me? 
I have no power to help you. Jesus is the only one that has power. And I love it because I've done this in my life. I, I am very selective on who I compare myself to. I, compare, I make sure I compare to people I know aren't doing better than me. And you're the same way. You're very selective to the ones you compare yourself to. But this is the thing. There's hypocrites. And there's those who are self-deceptive. They're deceiving themselves. They think they're okay and they're not. And then there's a third group. Look at verse 10. It says, And if we say we have not sinned, we make him, Jesus, a liar, and his word is not in us. So there's not just hypocrites that say they're holy, but, and, but they're not. There's not just self-deceptive people that are tricking themselves. There's also a third people. And this group says, I've got it all figured out. I'm doing great. I'm walking with God. I know all the scripture verses. I sing all the songs. I come to church every Sunday, at, mostly. And uh, I, I do. I, I'm, I'm fine. And I, I, there's, there, we have a word for this, self-righteous. See, the Bible says that type of thinking is this, that I've done it all myself. I'm, I'm studying, I do this, all this, and I am fine. But if you get it close to the light of Jesus, it shows all your faults. But you don't look at it because of the pride in your life, because you think you did it yourself. And see, this is the case, is that you didn't do it at all. You can read all the scripture verses and still go to hell. It's only when you bow down to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and you allow Him to change you. You changing yourself doesn't work. Because guess what? You'll change yourself in one area and get bad in another area. That's just, that's just who we are. You go from one crutch to another crutch. You go from one sin to another sin because it's never satisfying. The only one who satisfies is when we bow down to Jesus and let Him satisfy us. That's the only time it works. Your righteousness, everything else is like filthy rags. But guess what about this? All these three people, we've all been at one time in our lives. I've been self-righteous. I've been, I've been self-centered and, and deceiving myself. And I've been a hypocrite. In fact, there's sometimes we can do that and departmentalize our lives. And sometimes in part of our lives we're hypocrite in. Or we're self-deceptive in. Or we're self-righteous and we've all been those people we've all been those people there's a time in our life that we've real we have to realize that so this is the truth it really doesn't matter today if you're a hypocrite because i'm betcha almost every one of us have been hypocritical this last week how many want to raise your hand on that one okay good because it's true. How many of you have been self-deceptive? You, you've deceived yourself. You think, I'm doing okay. Look at that guy. He's terrible. Look at Bill. He, he's, a, he's a White Sox fan. I mean, geez, you know. <laughs> His son's wearing a Denver Broncos thing today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ryan's a Denver Broncos fan. I'm really conflicted tonight because, you know, I was born in Denver and I lived in Carolina, so I don't know who I'm going to root for. I'm just going to root for the winner, and I'm going to have a good time tonight, amen? <laughs> so anyway, that had nothing to do spiritually. But anyway, <laughs> so it doesn't matter if you're a hypocrite. 
It doesn't matter if you're self-deceiving. And it doesn't matter if you're self-righteous, because this is what matters. The resurrection mattered. At this point in life, and I want you to hear this, it's not just that God is light and we are dark. But now here's the greatest truth that John proclaims in verse 7 to verse 9. Verse 7 says, If we walk in the light as He is in light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all same things, from all that sin. So this is the thing. He's made a way for us to walk out of that, to walk into his light and to be cleansed. And we can receive what he did for us and walk in the light as he is in the light and walk in his life. And so the blood of Jesus cleanses us and we can go to the Lord and his light leads us. And the thing is, you're going to be hypocritical because you're not going to be perfect. You're going to be self-righteous once in a while. And, but you just got to realize, yes, I am going to do that. I don't mean to, I don't want to, but when I get close to the light of God and I look at that mirror that's in front of me and that light shines on me, I'm going to repent from that and I'm going to confess my sins and I'm going to go with God and I'm going to allow Him to change me. That is the difference from a believer and a self-righteous dude that doesn't do anything else. That's the difference. That's what makes the difference in your life is when you bow down to the light of God and allow Him to change you. In fact, every day we should do that. That's why your quiet time is so important. That's why you pray, you worship, you read the Word, and you ask God, what needs to change in me? And not in a way that I dread it, in a way that there's going to be freedom in it. That's what we need. We need that freedom. So if we walk in light as He is in light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us he cleanses us from all sin you know god desire look at verse three again look it says here we have seen and heard and we also proclaim also to you that that so that you too may have fellowship with us you know god desired fellowship with his creation so badly that he sent his own son jesus to shed his blood so we might be cleansed he didn't ask a sacrifice from you. He didn't ask for you to give your son. He didn't ask for you to give your stuff. He didn't ask anything of you. He gave his own life so we could be cleansed. So that blood could satisfy the wrath and the justice of God. And I'm so thankful for that. And the reason the light of Jesus exposes things in our life is not to condemn, but to lead us. How many has ever heard, when you see the light, run to the light? So when you die, you run to the light? You know, you ever said, run to the light every single time. In fact, when you sin, you should run to prayer immediately. You should run to prayer. You should, you should run to the Lord. You should start worshiping God. And that's not how we work, is it? When we sin, what do we want to do? Go away from the things of God. Because we feel shame. That shame is not from God. That condemnation is not from God. That is from the sin that you did. That's from the enemy, the devil. And God has no shame. You understand that? God has no shame and he has no condemnation. So he cannot give you what he doesn't have. So when I mess up, I run to the Lord. And when the light of Jesus and my wife tells me I mess up, I go to, I go to the Lord. They're about the same thing sometimes. Anyway, <laughs> he took our sin so sin would not have power 
over us. So Jesus is the light. We are sinners. But Jesus, number three, is the bridge. He's what bridges it all together. And he says this, John says this, if we confess our sins. So what does it mean to confess? It means that you see the light of God, you get close enough to him, and you let the light of God shine so brightly and directly on you that you allow it to show all the mess-ups. And you don't take that step back, because that's what we do. We take that step back away from the mirror so we look a little bit better. But we know we go right up to it and allow that to show on us so we can have clarity and we can realize that I can't fix myself. In fact, if you're trying to fix yourself, it won't work. You've been doing it forever how long you've been alive. And look at the mess it got you into. The only one that can fix us is the Lord. And so when we get up to that mirror, that's the thing about confessing. Confessing really just means say it. So I get up to the mirror and the Lord shows some things on my life. And don't deny it. Just say, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm broken. I need your help. How can you help me? Lead me and guide me. You admit it. And there comes that moment where the truth of God hits you and and you confess that stuff and I'm broken, I'm sinful. And guess what happens? Verse 9, if we confess, he is faithful. Amen? And just to forgive our sins, not only to forgive us, but cleanse us. You know what that word cleanse means? To wipe away. It's like I never did it. And it's also like I don't have to do it again. It really, sin has no control on me. The only time it has control is when I allow it to happen. And see, when I confess, it's not a begging. A lot of times we go to God and we beg. You don't confess from a place of unforgiveness. You confess from a place of already being forgiven. It's already happened. So when I come to God, it's not like, God, i got to beg you to forgive me. I'm so sorry. I'm, it's not like that. God, I admit what I did wrong, and I thank you for forgiving me. Because Jesus died and rose again, forgiveness happened already. It's just allowing me to admit where I'm at so I can go where he's at to get out of it. Because if you don't admit where you're at, if you don't admit that sin, if you don't confess that sin, it's like an anchor that keeps you held down to the same place all the time, and you'll do it over and over and over again. And when you see that God is light and God is perfect, you want to be like him. It draws you to him. I love what it says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. We'll, we'll talk more about this next week. He says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. This is why he's writing. So you may not sin. And then he says, And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Amen? So God is Jesus at the right hand of the Father God. And so when I do sin, he's pleading my case. He's showing God, look what I, I, I paid the penalty for that. And guess what? All he sees is Jesus. He looks at you and he sees Jesus. 
He's your advocate. He's your lawyer. He's pleading your case. I love that. But the great, greater thing in that is sin has lost its control. I am no longer a slave to sin. If I choose to do it, I need to repent, confess it, and go towards the light. But I don't have to allow it in my life. See, the thing about it is your addictions, your, your things that you've done all your life, listen, it's a lie that says that it controls you. It has no control on you. The closer you get to God, the less and less you'll do it. Trust me, every single time. It's the best program ever. It's, it's better than any AA. It's better than anything that you go to. It's better than any counseling. You go to God. You get into His presence, and change will happen every single time. You get into His Word. You just go off in prayer. You get into worship. You get people around you. Listen, that's why it says confess to one another so they can help you. Get people who won't condemn you. If people condemn you, you know, get, get away from them and get to people who will be like God, who won't condemn you, who won't shame you, who won't try to hurt you, but who will try to help you and help you go towards the right way and be led by the light of God. And that's what God wants you to do. And when you get to that place, you'll see transformation in your life every single time. But if you try to do it without them, it's like a vicious cycle. Boom, 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 boom. You're always going back. 1 John chapter 1, 3 through 4. Let's read this and I'll close. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus. And these things we are writing to you that your joy may be full. When we have fellowship with Him and fellowship with others, our joy is going to be full. And that's what John is declaring. And because of the resurrected Jesus, because He was resurrected, His, his message is validated. His message is true. And it's the most important things in our life. And He is like to illuminate who we are, and lead us to where he is to transform us from life, from death to life every single day. And I want us to get this, this next five weeks, man, I just want us to dig into First John and just allow the love of God, and this is, John is about the love of God, and allow that love to just transform us and watch him illuminate some things in your life. Bow your heads, close your eyes, let's pray. Father, right now, I just thank you right now for your word. And I thank you, God, as you give it to us even more. Illuminate your word to us, God. Show us your heart. Show us your plan. Show us your nature, God. Show us what you want us to do and accomplish. And Father God, illuminate on our lives, God, what you want to change in Jesus' name. Lord, give us courage to say yes. Give us courage to grab a hold, God, of what you have for us. Now, Father God, we choose to flip the switch and to go in closer to that mirror where that light is shining on us. And so you can show us what needs change. And God, we're going to allow you to work on us. We're going to allow your presence to change us, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And we're going to confess it. And we're going to realize, God, that we might have been hypocritical. We might have been self-righteous. We might have been uh, self-deceptive, thinking that there's nothing wrong. But, God, we're going to allow you to tell us what is the truth. And so you can change us in Jesus' name. So right now, with your eyes closed, just, just ask the Lord to illuminate things in your life. Man, just be bold. Be brave. God, show me things that I need to change. Show me things that I need to 
make better. And give me the power to do that. Listen, he's waiting to infuse you with power to change. There may be people in your life that, man, you've had some faults with. He's going to show those up and you're going to go to them. You're going to make it right. So, Father, we just thank you and we bless you. And we love you, Jesus. And we thank you for illuminating. We thank you, God, for showing us that we need you, that we are sinners. And without you, we are nothing. And that, Father, for bridging the gap because of Jesus, that we can confess our sins. And when we do that, you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We bless you. We thank you we serve a God that loves us and cares for us and that, that sacrificed his own life so we can know him, so we can live in life with your light, with your power, with your ability, your love, your purity, Lord. In Jesus' name. Everyone's eyes closed, no one looking around. You're sitting there today. There may be someone in here today that says, Sean, I just feel empty right now. I feel like there's something more. I've been searching for it, and I can't find it. And you're thinking that there must be more to life than what you have right now. And just what I just talked about, what Jesus did for you, he died on the cross for you, so you wouldn't have to feel that way anymore that you would never be alone, that you would always have someone with you to help you, to change you. Because you and I, all of us in here, were made in the image and likeness of God. And when God created us, there's a place inside of us that only He could feel, that only He could have fellowship with. And nothing else fulfills us besides His presence. And because of sin, because of things that we've done wrong, that had to leave out of there, but he made a way where we can have fellowship with him right now. And if you want to do that again, you want to give your life to the Lord, you want to have fellowship with God, you want to you know, find out who he is and be fulfilled in life, listen, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. But it's, it's your choice. God doesn't make you. He doesn't demand of you. He just made an opportunity and says, if you want to, here I am. I'm waiting for you. I want you. You're my son. You're my daughter. I want to have that relationship with you. But you've got to make that decision to say, yes, Lord, I choose to do that right now. So if that's you right now and you want to do it, I want to pray with you right where you're at. I just want you to lift your hand up right where you're at. And you can put your hand down once it's up. Okay. Anybody else? Is Pastor Sean, that's me. Okay. That's me. I want to give my life to the Lord. I may not understand all that I'm doing. I just know I need a change and I need more. Okay, you can put your hands down. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? One last time. So that's Pastor Sean. That's me. Okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And I want everyone in this room to pray this prayer with me aloud. And those who raise their hand, listen, pray that prayer and mean it with all your heart. And God's going to meet you right where you're at. And it's going to be a start of a great journey in your life where he's going to come in. You're going to receive forgiveness. His love is going to be available to you. And this is going to be a new life. The Bible calls it being born again. And it means really that, that you get a new life. You basically exchange your life for his. And so as we pray this prayer, mean it with all your heart. And just, just, and God's going to meet you right where you're at right now. So everyone, pray this prayer after me. Say this, Father God, I come to you and I lay down my life. I give it all to you. And I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I make him the boss of my life. And I thank you 
for dying on the cross for me, paying the penalty for my sin. And I thank you, Lord, for giving me a new life. Come into my life. Fill me with your spirit. Make me your son and daughter again. In Jesus' name. And from this day forward, I will live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise right now. Amen. <laughs> Amen. If you raised your hand, or if you didn't, and you just sat there, but you prayed that prayer and you meant it, listen, the Bible says when you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it says this, you shall be saved. And what saved means means you're brought into the family of God. You're not alone anymore. You're part of the family. He loves you. He cares for you. Your past is all gone. He has forgotten it, forgiven it, and today is a new day. And if you ever said this, I would love to have a do-over, you just got one. Amen? You've got a do-over right now. And God wants to do some awesome things in your life, but this is just the beginning. And what we would love for you to do, everybody start getting out your connection cards. In your bulletin, there's a connection card and if you could feel that connection, everyone fill that out anyway, but if you raise your hand, fill that connection card out, and on that connection card is a box that says, I gave my life to Jesus. If you could check that box out, and we want to give you some information of what's next for you, and we want to help you with the next steps of that, and we want to pray with you as a church and uh, pray for you this week because we know, man, this is one of the greatest things you did. Uh, listen, I did this back in 1983 and never looked back. And I'm so grateful. My whole family gave their life to God that day. And I'm so thankful for that. And I'm, uh, God has just been a blessing. I don't know what I would have done without God in my life. Amen? How many guys would agree with that? Amen? And so fill that out. Let us get a hold of you and get you some information about what is next. God's good, isn't he? Come on, give him praise right now. Amen. Amen. Now next week.